Welcome to Metal Injections, the Squared Circle Pit. Today's special guest should be Harvey. And now, here's your host, Rob Paspani. Thank you for joining me. It's the first Squared Circle Pit of 2020, the first of many, I hope. And we have a great guest today. It's Jimmy Havoc. And Jimmy has a lot of great stories to share about how he got into wrestling, how he got into death matches, how death matches are kind of a, a release and a therapeutic for him. He talks about living with Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford in Orlando and just the whole relocation thing and AEW, MLW. It's a really, really great talk. And of course, we talk about heavy metal. And of course, on Square Circle Pit, that is what we are about. We are about the connection between heavy metal and pro wrestling. And if this is your first episode, first of all, thank you for listening. And please go back into our archives. We have so many great episodes with uh, dudes like Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho. We got Eric Bischoff, Corey Taylor from Slipknot. We got Maynard from Tool, Justin Roberts, and plenty more. Go to mentalinjection.net slash squared circle pit for all of our archives. I'm going to get to our interview with Jimmy Havoc right now, and then after that, I want to talk a little bit about the crazy month that it's been in the world of pro wrestling. So here's my chat with Jimmy Havoc. Now entering the Squared Circle Pit, a man that wrestles for All Elite Wrestling and Major League Wrestling, and one of the craziest dudes in the business right now, Jimmy Havoc. Thank you so much for taking some time to be on Squared Circle Pit. Hello. Thanks for having me, mate. uh, I'm a big fan of the name Squared Circle Pit. It's very good. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Very good pun there. It took me quite a while uh, to to settle on something. (laughs) Oh, I bet, yeah. This show is all about kind of the intersection between hard rock and heavy metal and, and pro wrestling. And I feel like you're the perfect guest for such a thing. Oh, I'd, I'd like to think so. Yeah. To start it <laughs> off, what entered your life first? Was it pro wrestling or was it music? Pro wrestling, uh, I think, ended first. I remember um, like my parents divorced when I was quite young. So I used mm-hmm. to get looked after my grand quite a lot. And there was a kid from school who lived next door to my grand um, whose brother had like WrestleMania 6, I think it was. On, on video and uh, so he said come around and watch it it's cool and I just fell in love with wrestling and uh, yeah because like, the music was never really a big thing in my house mm-hmm. so, uh, so wrestling came first do you remember what match it was that like gripped you was it Hogan and Warrior yeah it was Hogan Warrior I just thought um, Warrior was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen which uh, says a lot about me as a person I guess <laughs> the, <laughs> the colourful tassels and face paint I just thought it was, was really cool and uh, yeah I just started watching that and never really stopped mm-hmm. and then when did uh, music enter your life and like rock and stuff do you remember like when you discovered that well music was never really a big thing I think I, I might have heard like an Oasis song or something on, on the radio when I was being driven at school once mm-hmm. and thought it was really good so I went out and bought an, uh, I think it was definitely Maybe it was one of the first albums no no the first time I ever bought was uh, Queen's Greatest Hits Volume 1 that was all because I think Bohemian Rhapsody was like I think I might have heard it at like a Christmas party or something mm-hmm. everyone was singing along so I just sort of got into Queen quite big and then it was Oasis yeah then it also went downhill from there really uh, <laughs> <laughs> just started getting into heavier and heavier stuff I think the first sort of heavy album I ever bought was Appetite for Destruction oh great yeah that Guns N' Roses album I still think it's one of the best albums I've, I've ever listened to it's still it's still like amazing to this day I'll listen to it at least you know once a month probably it's good for road trips as well and good for screamy sing-alongs but, um, yeah, then um, I think at school it was uh, a friend of mine saw us listening to Roses and he was into like like metal and stuff. Um, we used to buy like, uh, I don't know if you get it in America, but Kerrang! magazine. Yeah, yeah, we do get it here. Well, we don't get it, but I'm, I'm familiar, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that, that was quite a big deal sort of back then and um, he used to bring that in and we used to sort of get into that. And I think my first gig was 
Reading Festival 2000. They had like Rage Against the Machine, Slipknot, Limp Biscuit, Deftones, Foo Fighters. It was such a good, that year was such a good lineup. Wow, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think since then, like music has been like as big as, like as important in my life as, as wrestling. So 2000, and then you started wrestling around like 2004 or 2005. Yeah, yeah. I, I started like backyard wrestling before that. So like maybe like 02 and stuff. My, my friends, oh, I went to college and one of my friends, um, he was really into like backyard wrestling, they had their own little like federation kind of thing they had. Mm-hmm, and so he, he told me to come down. I went down and like it was real fun. And then I found a training school not too far away from me. And July the fourth, two thousand four, was my first ever training session. Oh wow! How did you settle on uh, Jimmy Havoc? Obviously, I'm assuming it's based on Davey Havoc. Oh yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. We were on our way to like our first show. Uh, this is I've been training maybe like a couple of months at this point, mm-hmm. and I was in like a rumble. And I was literally waiting to go through the uh, the, the curtain. We didn't have a, a name, and um, Zach Sabre Jr. is like my best mate. And he was there as well. We were listening to our, The Art of Drowning on the way to the show. So I think I'll maybe just call myself Havoc. And he's like, well, just call yourself you know, Jimmy Havoc. And it's literally just <laughs> that quick. He's like, oh, yeah, that, that works. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it was 100% Davey Havoc inspired. Yeah, that's cool. And you got to meet him. I managed to meet I managed to meet the man last year. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, one yeah. of the best days of my life, <laughs> to be fair. I wanted like a really cool, moody goth photo, but I couldn't stop smiling. So I looked like an idiot, <laughs> but I don't care. It was... <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so that came about. Uh, my one of my best friends is Merlin Alderslade. He edits Metal Hammer magazine. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I, I was uh, I was in America for a couple of months last year, just doing a bit of a tour, and uh, he was going to Heavy Montreal Fest in Montreal, mm-hmm. and that is the best festival I think I've ever been to. It's it's clean. Everyone was nice. The weather was brilliant. The, the lineup was great. And um, there's a guy called uh, Damien Abraham who's a singer in Fucked Up, and he does yeah. a podcast called Turn Out Punk. Mm-hmm. So I've been speaking to him quite a while, but he knew Davey. And then, uh, yeah, got me backstage to, to meet Davey. And it was quite cool. I was sort of standing there waiting for him. And Davey Havoc sort of walked past. And he looked up and says, oh, you're Jimmy Havoc, aren't you? You're the wrestler? And I was like, oh, my God, he knows all that. <laughs> that, was, that was a really cool day. That's cool. Yeah, Damien, he has his own wrestling show on Vice that's actually really, really good. I've been watching. I think it's called yeah, The yeah, Wrestler. Yeah, it was like a 10 part. I, 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 was, I was in a small, I was, had a small part in, one, in that. Uh, on the like he did one on death matches. Yes, yes. And uh, yeah, we did a little interview, but I, I was fine to I was on Turn Out Punk once a couple of years ago as well. Yeah, D- Damien's really cool. I like him a lot. Now let's talk about the death matches. Like, how did you? I'm assuming when you started, you didn't think you would be known as a, a death match wrestler, but it's kind of just something you started doing. Or? To, to be fair, like, I, the stuff I loved growing up was ECW and like Mick mm-hmm. Foley and uh, the Mankind stuff and Cactus Jack and Sabu and so I, I kind of just wanted to get thrown through a table because I thought it'd be really cool. <laughs> I see, I see. Yeah, and that says, that says a lot about me. And I think my, my third ever match was like a hardcore match. If we could take a step back then, mm-hmm. I think you and I, we kind of were about the same age. I'm 36. And so I think we came up with the same wrestling on television. But like, I'm curious, yeah, you, being, yeah. you being in England, how did you get ECW tapes? Like, how did you watch ECW? Yeah, we didn't have it on TV or anything. But um, a friend of mine at school, he was like super into wrestling. He was on all the forums and he found like a tape trader guy. So mm-hmm. he got loads of tapes from like, Japan and, and uh, America. And um, when he'd finished with them, he'd lend them to me. Okay. So that's how I sort of got into that. I, I think the first ever like, hardcore match I ever watched was Sandman against Sabu in like a Stairway to Hell, I think it was. Oh, yeah. That's, and, that's uh, a yeah, that, that was really cool. That, that and like the, the, the Hell in the Cell match with Mankind Undertaker, they both sort of came around the same time-ish, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, was, that was my introduction to it. And then I remember staying up late to watch, I think there's a Royal Rumble 2000. Mm-hmm. with Triple H, Cactus Jack, yep. like Street Fight. And I remember that's, that's still my favorite match I've watched. Yeah, that's definitely up there for me as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I love I love wrestling. I love like, storytelling, but I, I enjoy doing stuff with weapons because I feel like I can be a lot more creative. And as odd as this sounds, like it's quite a good release. 
like getting thrown on glass or drawing pins and stuff. It's I, I like doing them when I'm having a bad day because it's such a good release. And like, I don't know, it, it just it levels me a lot. So like, that's interesting to hear that. I, that's something I wanted to talk about. Uh, like, how, how does it feel to like, be thrown through a plate of glass or so you're saying like you're feeling shitty but then like getting thrown through it is it kind of like you're you're kind of distracted by the pain of the glass that it makes you forget about like whatever mental anguish you had yeah i mean a little bit i think it's you know it's, it's obviously I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this is a good thing to do but like you know being the sort of kid that did go to cutting himself you know, to, to try and release some of that, that pain we're feeling. You know, a lot of people do it. And it is it is all about taking your mind off of whatever else you're going through at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since I started wrestling, like, it, it's been quite good that I can use that as my release and that I can be creative and I can take my mind off whatever shit's going on in the world and just focus totally on that match and the crowd and, and giving people a good show. Yeah, it is a good release. Plus, like, like do you know, like, barbecue skewers? Yes. Yes. Having them smashed into your head is quite a weird feeling. But <laughs> I imagine. I like the sound of like me going through glass or getting out of my head and just you hearing the crowd go like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, what have you just done kind of thing? It, it, it is fun. But yeah. But obviously, you know, that, that's probably why I'm in therapy as well, that I find this sort of stuff fun. fun. <laughs> no, it's, it's fascinating but, you know, to, to hear uh, your perspective because just as a fan, I'm like, oh, my God, that looks so painful. Like, I like to put myself in it, I was like, I could never imagine agreeing to something like this, you know. The, the, the thing is, like, it, it, it does hurt. Yeah. Of course, it, it, it does hurt. Like it, there's, there's no like staples and stuff. Like they do hurt, but it's not the end of the world. I, I, I did get stapled in my balls once. That one was almost the end of the world. That really hurt. Oh my god! But, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's all about like it's such an adrenaline rush at the time as well. Right? Do you not feel it at the time? Do you only feel it like a few hours later, like once every, the adrenaline has worn down, or are there certain things? Oh no, no, no! You, you, you still, you still feel it at the time. Mm-hmm. I always feel it at the time. Like, it, it, you know, it, it's not like if I was to take myself right now in the leg, it's probably going to hurt a bit more than it would if I <laughs> did it in a match. But I, I don't know if my body's just become used to it now. Like, it, it, cuts and stuff, like uh, getting thrown on like light tubes or panes of glass, because there's so many little cuts. It's much more painful having a shower after the match than it is actually having the match. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. I remember a promoter once, uh, one in, he brought a box of poison ivy in and, uh, he wanted me to like land on it. And I said, to him, there's no pop in that. Like, that's not going to hurt me now. It's going to hurt me in the morning. <laughs> the, the fans don't know what poison ivy is. Can't we just use leaves or something? <laughs> right. <to pretend>? like, <laughs> but yeah, that's the only thing I've ever really said no to. Well, uh, I want to ask like, what is the uh, hardcore weapon or whatever, where the like ratio of pain to like looking cool, it, like it doesn't look as painful as it really is. Like what's something that's more painful than it looks like? That people wouldn't know. That that's like everyone's different. Everyone has different pain thresholds. You know, I've, I've done this 15 years now, so I'm used to things other than you know some other things. I, I think like taking bumps on your head hurts worse than any weapons. Right, I see. You know, there's more chance you getting knocked out. Um, I don't particularly like getting hit in the head with a chair because once again, that's just such a that could go wrong. Yeah. You know, could knock you out. You know, there's there's head injuries. Yeah. You know, we learn about CT and stuff now, and, and and wrestling fans are so much more educated now that I feel it almost breaks kayfabe to hit him with a chair because you're out of the illusion of the match. You're like, oh no, like he's gonna get CTE. You know, like yes and no. Like there's been a couple of times uh, in the last couple of years where I've done it mm-hmm. as like the end of like a big feud or big match or something because once again it does take the fans out of it and like okay, I know wrestling's fake, 
but this shit looks real. Right. And you can sort of get emotion out of people by doing that sort of stuff. Every That's interesting. I don't particularly like it, but it, it does get a lot of emotion out of people. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of chance of it going wrong. And once again, it's, it's I don't normally do that when I'm in a bad place. <laughs> I think, fuck it. Let's just make it all look good. I guess wrestling for some of us is a bit of a form of therapy as well. I would imagine. And it does help you get, get over you know, a lot of stuff. And it's the same as like, like you know, uh, musicians. Yeah. You now that they feel alive when they're on the stage performing because that's the one place where you don't need to worry about anything else. You just worry about the performance. And, you know, as, as cliche as it sounds, that is where I feel most alive. One of the coolest spots I, I've seen that uh, that you did was was paper cuts. Like, nobody ever brought paper cuts into wrestling uh, until, I mean, I guess it's been around yeah. <laughs> recently. But, like, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, this is so brilliant because it's such a simple thing. But, like, everyone is experienced. <laughs> how paper- Everyone knows what it's Yeah, yeah. Like. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, so so that's cool did you ever envision yourself as a musician did you ever try to do that and like be a frontman or a guitarist or anything like that i've, I've always wanted to be a singer mm-hmm. and uh, I've, I've actually i've started having singing lessons recently actually and i bought myself a piano the other day so i started teaching myself piano but um, I, I tried guitar when i was younger but i just i couldn't like i don't know what is my, my hands but i can never work get my hands wide enough to get like mm-hmm. the chords mm-hmm. and stuff um but since i started playing piano i'll get much better at that like getting the chords and you know, opening my hands up and stuff. Um, yeah, I'm, I've always wanted to be in a band. I sang in a band when we were at school, but we never really, we only had a few practice sessions, like one gig, but we never really did much. Mm-hmm. But I live with another wrestler called Kip Sabian now, and he plays guitar, so I think we might start a family band soon with the dog. The dog can be on custom percussion or something. <laughs> what kind of dog is it? Yeah, yeah, go on. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's, um, he's Kip's and uh, Penelope Ford's, uh, that's his uh, girlfriend, we all live together. He's their dog, and it's a little papillon, and his name's Oscar. Uh, oh. He's my best friend now. Oh. So uh, whenever, they, whenever they go away, we, we hang out. <laughs> I have to pick up his shit, which is a, uh, it doesn't feel like a very fair relationship here. He never was. Now, that, so I have to pick up his shit. So. That's how I feel about my dog too. And she's a total bitch to me too. <laughs> <laughs> I, he's, he's great. He's real, he's real small, my tiny little guy. Yeah. So he's not much trouble. So going back to the hardcore wrestling, like you were getting tapes, you saw Sabu, you saw Salmon. Who were your... Like once you yeah. were getting more into it, who who are your who are your guys? Who are your people that you loved watching? I love watching Sabu. He's never know what's going to happen. Uh, Mick Foley is my favorite wrestler, hundred mm-hmm. percent. And I love the Hardy Boys as well. I thought the Hardy Boys are great. Uh, Jerry Lynn, I thought was fucking his so match with Van Damme was brilliant. Yeah. So now that I'm getting to now that I'm getting to work with Jerry Lynn in AEW, like I try and get him as my agent for as many matches as I can, just because he's a man and he's he's really cool. And he's such a nice bloke as well. But yeah, so getting to like all the agents at uh, AEW, we've got, you know, Billy Gunn, uh, Dean Malenko, uh, Jerry Lynn, like having that sort of worth of knowledge there to help us plan the matches and like, you know, teach us you know, what we can do better and you know, what works and stuff. It, it's just such, it's so incredible for us. And me, especially, you know, Malenko as well, having grown up with ECW and WCW and stuff and getting to work with them, it's just, it's the best. I noticed that when uh, uh, Cody and the Young Bucks and, and them announced All Elite Wrestling, you were kind of one of the earliest, uh, I don't know if you were one of the earliest signings, but the earliest announcements of, of someone coming. And they really yeah. they really went all out in giving you the full court press of presenting you as a scary dude. So I want, like, how did they hit, how did yeah. they hit you up? And how did that how did that come about where you, you, um, you joined up? So I'd met Cody uh, a couple of years prior at a show in England. And I'm, I, I was doing a hardcore match. I think that might have been the first night I did the paper cut as well that night. Just so maybe like three, three or four years ago, maybe. Um, and he really liked me. And he was doing a show in uh, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta, and he wanted to wrestle me. So he flew me over. We had the match. 
And uh, then we were meant to wrestle again on a tour that was last December, I think it was, uh, in, in England called, uh, the company's called Five Club, and they do about three dates. We were supposed to wrestle again, but Cody got injured. But that's when he sort of put the feeling out to me, like, was I working anywhere else? You know, was I interested? I said, yeah, I'm very interested. And then, um, I don't know, like a month or so later, I got a text from him going, hey, here's what we're going to offer you. And I just went, yep, thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was about it. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty cool. Because at, at the time, like, uh, things weren't going particularly well in my life. And um, I was thinking of quitting wrestling. And I remember I stayed at a mate's the night before and we got very drunk. And obviously I was quite hungover and feeling quite depressed anyway. And on the drive back, I was like, I think, I think this might be it. I'm going to have to find another job next year. And literally on that drive home, I got that text from Cody. I was like, oh, okay. That's <laughs> like, been up for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah no, and I moved over to Orlando in July. So uh, I've, I've, put, I've got getting a tan for so long now. But I've, I've just given up and started getting a tan. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a pasty white goth anymore. So how has it been readjusting to life in America? I mean, obviously you've been here before, but I'm assuming you haven't stayed for this long. How has it been? No, no, this is, um, like, I, I, I was living, uh, basically living with my parents until I moved away, which um, when people found that out, they give you a lot of abuse for that on, on Twitter and stuff. But what they didn't know is um, both my parents are disabled. So the reason I was staying at home was because basically I was their carer. Like my mum had a heart attack about six or seven years ago, and she was dead for about half an hour, I think it was. So, uh, oh wow, she, she had a little bit of brain damage, and so yeah, my stepdad was caring. Cool. Like he's eighty odd years old now, so I was sort of doing my best to look after him. But it got to a point where I was like, well, I can't do this my whole life. I, I need to live my life now, and uh, so I decided to run away to America, which was <laughs> not. Yeah, I mean, that was not the most adult thing to do, but no, they understood. Like they, they wanted me to do this. They knew how much wrestling meant to me. So they wanted me to... Have, have they seen your matches? Have they seen, like... They don't think it's a real okay, job. yeah. <laughs> That's how my parents are. <laughs> the last time my mum came to a match, uh, Zach Sammer Jr. hit me in the head with a frying pan so hard that it broke and flew off into the crowd and hit my mum. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the first time I got set on fire. And, uh, yeah, they decided not to come after that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been doing metal injection for 15 years, and it was only like three years ago that my mom stopped asking me, okay, maybe, you know, you should get a real job. Yeah. No, this is it. I speak to them every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And even when I speak to them, they're like, oh, she's still doing that wrestling thing then. <laughs> so, yes, I've not just moved to America for for the hell of it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for work. But yeah, they still think it's a real job. So, but it's fine. Like, they've never been like particularly supportive of it in that, you know, you need to get a real job. What are you doing with your life? Um, which uh, about maybe like six years ago, maybe I went back to university to get myself a degree, literally just to stop them asking mm-hmm. when am I going to get a real job. But the reason I was getting the degree was because I wanted to sort of focus on wrestling a bit. Like I do the, the degree during the week, wrestling at weekends and see how it went. And um, yeah, then luckily when the degree finished, it all started kicking off and I thought, well, I'm going to throw myself into the wrestling and, and see what happens. If it doesn't work out, at least I've tried and I'll have no regrets. And at the moment, it's working out. So, like last year, when you were thinking about quitting, what would you have done if not wrestling? What would where would where would you follow? Um, well, so uh, my, my degree my degree was in film, uh, and then I did a teacher training qualification after that. Mm-hmm. So I did one shift as like a, a substitute teacher because I was just going to be a substitute teacher, just drawing around them. And then after that one shift, I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to give wrestling a go. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do this. But I'm, I'm I'm qualified as a teacher, so uh, that's always like a backup because I'm not going to wrestle forever. Right. So at least I'll have something I can fall back on. Have you enjoyed like being in Orlando? Like Orlando is kind of a weird city. I've only been there a few times, but I've definitely been there like enough to know that like, you know, the city functions based on the tourism. Yeah. So it's a very weird vibe there. (laughs) Like, how is it living there? 
it was a bit of an adjustment for me. Worries to live in London. I suppose even when I was living in London, I was only home like one or two days a week, really, mm-hmm. um, because I was always on tour, like all over the place. Right. So I think that's been the biggest adjustment is going from only being at home two days a week to for the first couple of months because AW is only running like one show a month for the first few months to being at home three weeks. You know that that was the biggest adjustment. So I'm so used to being on the road, living out of hotels and stuff. I didn't really unpack my suitcase for the first couple of months because it just felt so weird not living out of a suitcase. Mm-hmm. But luckily in Orlando, like because they've got the, you know, there's the performance center here and stuff. I've got a lot of friends here. My girl's one of my best mates. He lives around the corner. Uh, Drake Maverick from WWE. He, he lives around the corner as well. So we hang out quite a bit. Tegan Knox. Uh, she lives. Yeah, all the wrestlers are down there. So you guys, you just have plenty of people to yeah, exactly, yeah. to hang out with. But like, what about the town itself? Like the people, the Orlandians, the Floridians. <laughs> Has it been weird? <laughs> to, to be fair, like I've only been out. I've been here seven months now, and I've only been down downtown like a couple of times. <laughs> Where we live is right next to a lake, and we've got like a whole strip of like restaurants and bars and shops and stuff. So most of the time, we're quite boring. If we go out, we just go to those same five or six restaurants or bars. <laughs> I see. I understand. Yeah. But like I, I live with Kip from Penelope, so like we, we we stay and watch films and stuff. Look after dog. Like I quite like my PlayStation and teach myself piano. I do that like a couple of hours every day. Um, I say singing lessons is once a week. I go to the gym every day. There's a training school around the corner that we go to a couple times a week to practice stuff. Cool, not just walking around stapling random people or anything like that. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I try and avoid that. Apparently, that's that's a crime. I think that's assault. <laughs> for, yeah. Mm. Unless it's in a ring. <laughs> Unless everyone agrees to it in a ring. How did that, like, the staple game? Well, I'm not even allowed to do that in AEW at the moment. Oh, that's right. You do get fined. Well, I think that's so cool that they gave you that gift. Like, the stapler has become your, excuse the pun, your staple. Yeah, <laughs> Whereas exactly. before it was just like, you know, you're a violent guy. But now it's like, you're the dude with the stapler. Was that your idea or did it kind of happen organically? They, they wanted me, uh, like the Bucks and Tony, they wanted me to have, like, a weapon. I feel like the staple gun was the easiest thing to use on TV all the time because it's not like it's not like I'm coming out with a knife and cutting people you know it's, it's not <laughs> it's not like too brutal you know it's something that we spoke with the executives and they were fine with the staple gun being used kind of thing so it's, it was more of a what can we get away with as opposed to and I'm I, I, you know any hawk match I have I normally use it as well you know it goes with the paper kind of thing I do like the paper cut and the staple spot it's it, it sort of goes hand in hand with all of that but I don't know, it, it, it's just something cool that I could use, you know, that, that would set me apart from, from other people, I guess. I love it. And, and one person, like, I, you know, I don't want to uh, focus too much on the negative, but obviously there, there are some detractors of, of deathmatch wrestling. Some people call it, you know, garbage wrestling or, oh, yeah, of course, or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, it's all, if someone is entertained by it, <laughs> it works. You know, if people are willing to pay for it, it works. Like, like, yeah, the, the, the thing that I'll always say is like, I, I, those people who hate deathmatch wrestling are not wrong. They're fine. If you don't like it, that's fine. But it's the same people who say metal shit mm-hmm. or, you know, emo shit. I love emo, but pe- but that, that's fine. Like, in your opinion, it's shit. But it doesn't mean that there's no value in it. it doesn't, there's no there's no market for it. There's not people who do enjoy that sort of stuff. Like, the world would be so boring if everyone just liked the same stuff and wanted the same things. Right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so on that, like, what are, what are you listening to right now? It's basically everything I was listening to when I was 16. It's <laughs> never changed. My tastes vary week on week. My, yeah, very week on week. Like at the moment, it's quite metally at the moment. I'm going to see Motley Crue and Poison and uh, in a few weeks. Uh, they're doing like a tour in Orlando. Uh, well, they're doing a US tour. Right, right. They're doing a big stadium. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Like uh, mainly, like I listen to a lot of emo. I listen to a lot of like punk, like post-hardcore stuff as well. Who are your bands? Architects are my favorite bands. Obviously, my favorite band is AFI. I don't know if you know that was too too obvious. With AFI, you know, I feel like there's two eras almost of AFI, like the punky stuff, and then like the 
the later years. Everyone always says that, but if you listen to one of the albums back to back, there is a vo- evolution through right, all right, the albums. Right. It wasn't a, a switch. Like the first couple are just, just pure sort of parkour punk, but then they go the horror punk with Black Sails and then Art of Drowning. Then it goes sort of slightly more emo, screamo with Singer Sorrow and December on the Ground. Then it's sort of purely emo, really, in, in Crash Love and... But it's that gradual evolution. And anyone who, like, bands get this all the time. Like, oh, it's not as good as the Art of Drowning or whatever. I know, in your opinion, yeah, fine, it's not. Art of Drowning's still my favorite one, but that album's still there. You can still listen to it. You know, I've grown up with that band, so I've evolved my taste as they've evolved mm-hmm. as well. So it's worked out quite well. Sounds like uh, Bring Me the Horizon as well. I fucking love them. Yeah. Like, they get loads of shit because they've changed their sound so much. But, you know, what's the point in, in, in how the same album six times like, it's so true and i honestly like i love their uh new album ammo i, I guess it's called uh, ammo it's amazing yeah did you listen to the, the dancing i put out over christmas yeah no it, it they're really good at that stuff like that's kind of what's so impressive to me about it is like no this is good like pop rock you know it's obviously not metal or yeah. hardcore I, I, I thought i thought ammo was brilliant obviously it's, it's, it's Paternal is still my favorite mm-hmm. that, that's still fucking that's in my top 10 albums favorite albums ever definitely but um yeah, Ammo was great. I, I loved uh, uh, That's a Spirit. Um, th- did you listen to the one they put on Spotify over Christmas? Like, it's a weird sort of dance ambient. It was like of. a co- collaboration, I think, with Hale. Or no, that was a different... He wrote a song for Hale. I think I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was like a 15... Tra- I've only listened to it once, and I don't particularly like it, but I've only given it one go, so I'm, I'm going to go back and give it another go. Like, But I think I've, I've heard an interview with Bringing Horizon where they're like, we, they don't really want to make albums anymore. They just want to do... EPs of stuff that they want to make at the time, which I think is quite a good way to go because, like, so many bands, like, they're, they're tied into contracts for, for a bunch of years or whatever. And, like, I think that's another thing where maybe albums start getting less good as they go along because they're not making it because they want to. They're making it because they feel like they're forced to do it because of the contract. Right. They want to fulfill the contract so they can go and get a better deal. So they're just putting anything out. Yeah. Yeah, just putting out, yeah, greatest hits or a live album or whatever, <laughs> which is fine. Mm-hmm. I love, I think live albums are good. I love live music. Um, I'm, uh, I couldn't get tickets for Michael McCromance in, in the States. They sold out. So I'm flying to Melbourne in March to see them for my birthday. So that's going to be fun. That's awesome. I always love traveling yeah, with the intent that, yeah. of going to a show. I think that's a great reason to travel. To just have yeah, a show I, think, I think it's brilliant. I think I'm, I'm going to try and get to Coachella this year as well. It's rage, which would be good. Yes. Um, have you heard of uh, Creeper? I have not heard of Creeper, no. Okay, uh, check them out. They're, they're like a, a British AFI kind of vibe band uh, sort of goth punky kind of thing but they're touring the uk in april so i'm gonna fly home in april to see them so uh, I-, I love traveling for gigs because orlando doesn't really get much either which i think we've got alkaline tree on bad religion soon so i'm gonna go to that looking forward to that but um yeah traveling for gigs i want to try and go to la for more gigs are there any AEW guys that you kind of talk music with and like trade bands and recommendations? Frankie Gazarian, he's in the band. Marco Stunt likes the same sort of stuff as me. Kip, uh, he's more into that sort of British indie kind of stuff. But, um, but most of the guys sort of like music, uh, apart from MJF. He's just a useless piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jericho, obviously, is great to right, right. music. He's much more into the sort of like 80s metal, that sort of vibe sort of stuff, especially if you listen to Fozzie and stuff. But, um, yeah, he loves yeah, no, Yeah, he's great to talk to a bunch of us went to, we were in Cleveland this week, uh, so a bunch of us went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool to walk around and, and see everything there. So do you fly out to TV every week? Are you there? Because you haven't been on TV on like the actual show recently, I feel like, unless I'm... No, uh, I had a few weeks off over Christmas to go home, see family. and like uh, Last year was, like I said, a bit difficult. So um, I see. They helped me out quite a lot with letting me go home and stuff. But, um, yeah, but when, uh, if we're not needed... Uh, for sure, we don't have to fly in, which saves them money. 
um, saves us having to travel and stuff. What we normally do, if we're on for a show on the Wednesday, we fly on Tuesday afternoon. So they're Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and come home Thursday. I see. Are you digging the schedule? Are you digging like just having to wrestle once a week? I, I miss wrestling. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, it's good. Like To be fair, it's been good on my body because after 15 years, like I only have really had one break when I've done my knee in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the last couple of years, it's been real heavy on my body so it's been real good to like I go and see a physio you know every time every time we're at TV so they sort us all out and like my body is feeling the best it's felt in ages I'm getting in the best shape I've ever been so in that respect it's been real good for me to schedule like they've, they've helped me out a hell of a lot but I'm going to start I've started taking a few more like indie dates as well just to keep in that ring shape because th- there is nothing in the world that will prepare you to be in the condition you need to be in for wrestling other than wrestling right you know going like grappling or something like uh, jiu-jitsu or anything like that that is that's great for conditioning but you're never going to get the conditioning you need running on a treadmill or on a bike machine you know I mean? it's just it's not the same you know you're not using your whole body there mm-hmm. so it's not yeah it's not quite as good yeah, you're not twisting so that's and getting thrown around. around right yeah like that yeah exactly yeah <laughs> like landing on the floor like it, it hurts and it does wind you a bit so having to do that then be winded and get up and then do it again and again and again over and over and then run and lift it's it, it's like, it does take a lot out of you i can only imagine i did one day of training and i was like i'm, I'm done <laughs> i'm not doing it <laughs> well so you said you were doing indie dates do you have to clear those with AEW? yeah so we just have to just talk to them and like i'm only going to try to do a couple of months just to say you know if there's anything new i want to try I can try it on those shows and, you know, as long as it's approved by them, they don't mind. Because the last thing they want as well is if we're not wrestling for two weeks in a month and we go on TV and have a, have a match, if you don't do it regularly, you do lose a you know, lose a step or two. Of course, of course. And I, I noticed that I've been home for Christmas for like three weeks and then come back to training. Like You do forget a little bit like footwork and positioning and timing and stuff. So it, it's good to sort of keep in shape and, and, and keep, you know, it's the same as anything. If you don't practice anything for a few weeks, you know, you're going to lose a bit of that skill. Right. So it's essentially in their best interest to, to, you know, so you're not going in there cold, you're warmed up and you, you're loosened up and you have some matches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, especially at the moment where it's only like one show a week. If we start doing house shows in the future, I, I don't know what the plan is, but I assume we might be starting doing more shows in the future. Then then we should, you know, not do anything else because it's in their right. best interest to keep us then. But I feel at the moment, I think they think so as well, that it's good to let us keep in, in shape and stuff. Understood. Cool. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much, you know, for hanging out with me and giving me a half hour of your time. No, thanks, man. It's fun. Yeah, it's, I, I've been wanting to talk to you for, for a really long time. I'm a big fan, and I, I love what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, we've been trying to set this up for a while, haven't we? You know, just, <laughs> I'm just useless at flying dream. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it, 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 it happens. I, I, I didn't mean it that way at all, but I, I'm glad that we finally got to talk. And hopefully uh, we can run into each other like when you guys – I think you guys are coming to Newark. I, I'm definitely going to go out. I, I'm dying to see AEW live. Hopefully, we can hang out then. Oh yeah, g- give me a shout. We'll, yeah, we'll go grab a beer or something. Yeah, I love that. Awesome, Jimmy. Well, have a great rest of your day. Some good pianoing. Some good Cheers, s- you too. singing. And then, uh... oh, thank you. I'm, I'm just just about to do that. <laughs> <laughs> what a pleasant person! Thank you so much, Jimmy Havoc, for hanging out on Squared Circle Pit. And uh, it's been a wild time in pro wrestling in January. We had the Royal Rumble, which I really enjoyed, actually. And AEW has been killing it. And they have a big pay-per-view coming up in a few weeks that I'm very excited for. It's been so long since an AEW pay-per-view. I'm ready for it. It's been pretty crazy with pro wrestling. So let's talk about AEW, first of all. I really dug the episode this week. I've really been digging the Cody and MJF storyline. I think they've been doing it really well in every week. It's been a different layer that I've been enjoying. 
the Jericho and Moxley story has been incredible, and I love the whole eye angle that they did this week where, you know, a few weeks ago, Moxley got his eye poked out by Jericho, so this week he did it to one of Jericho's thugs, his ruffians. He did it to Santana, and so they're going to have a match next week, so that's going to be really good. The Young Bucks uh, storyline with Hangman Page is, is awesome, and Hangman is killing it. And even I'm really enjoying AEW Dark kind of seeing all these, you know, smaller time uh, people, these new acts, I should say, that they're trying to establish. And, and AEW is pretty fun. They're doing their own thing. And with WWE, things are really heating up as well. The Royal Rumble was awesome. It was one of the most exciting Royal Rumbles in a really long time. I thought Brock Lesnar was incredible and it was so cool to see him in the ring with Keith Lee and the moment of the whole show for me was just Brock Lesnar reacting to Keith Lee and just going like oh big boy big boy <laughs> so that was really good it was awesome to see Edge and uh, I think Drew McIntyre was a great pick to be the winner and on the women's side I was I was thinking it was going to be Shayna Baszler for sure because the rumor is it's going to be her versus Becky Lynch at WrestleMania, Ronda Rousey should not, I don't think he's going to be at WrestleMania. It was a surprise to see Charlotte win it, but I love Charlotte. Sure, give her the Royal Rumble. <laughs> and uh, it'll be interesting to see her versus Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. That should be a fun match as well. Overall, WrestleMania is shaping up to be uh, pretty solid. What's a little more in flux, I feel now, is, you know, the business side of WWE, which... You know, to me, it was always way more fun to follow kind of like the behind the scenes, the business stuff than necessarily some of the storylines that they would do. But like right now, it's lots of crazy stuff happening. First of all, a few weeks ago, uh, the two presidents, the co-presidents of the company just departed like one afternoon and, and there was no replacements announced. And like this is a big deal in the corporate world. You don't just get rid of, you know, the people essentially directly under Vince and the people steering the ship ultimately while Vince kind of oversees all the other stuff and you don't really do that without you know having replacements having them in for a few months having a transition period uh it, it's a little uncommon so there had to have been some sort of reasoning for it and then this week uh wwe had their investors call and what based on what vince was saying it seems the differences were that vince might not value the wwe network anymore and might think that the you know the thing that gives the wwe network value is the pay-per-view a month and from how Vince was making it sound, is they're looking to license out their pay-per-view. He didn't directly say that, but he kind of suggested it, and he alluded to uh, not to, like, my first thought was like, oh, is WrestleMania going to be on Fox? Because first of all, how awesome would that be uh, for WrestleMania to have, like, the, you know, the pop and circumstance of, like, a Super Bowl Sunday, but, like, a WrestleMania Sunday on free TV. Like, that would be so cool. Uh, even though you'd have to deal with commercials, but maybe then it wouldn't be six hours long. You know, it would be a give and take. <laughs> but no, it looks like they're negotiating with over-the-top networks, so like streaming networks. And Vince is making it sound like it's a lot of money. Now, they made $180 million off of the WWE Network. So it has to be something, you know, worthy enough to kind of take out one of the largest value points for the network which is the monthly pay-per-view i feel like without that it's that's right now their main draw they don't have nxt on the network anymore i mean they have those documentaries and all that but that to me is like sides you know the main course is the the pay-per-view and, and that's where like 90 percent of the value is the archive is great but you know you can take or leave that uh for the most part i feel so it'll be interesting but then like would 
just the pay-per-views be on Amazon Prime? You know, would they be on Netflix? Where, where would this be? So it's a very interesting time for WWE business-wise, I feel. And what is going to happen? And, you know, where is the WWE Network going to be a year from now? We're just going to have to wait and see. Elsewhere in the world, New Japan is crushing it. They're doing their New Beginning tour. And uh, last week they had a few matches. And the match, like, basically the match I'm looking forward to is John Moxley versus Minoru Suzuki. They've been doing such a great storyline. Uh, they've been in tag matches. And the whole time, all they do is just brawl around the arena while everyone else is, like, doing the match. <laughs> and so they're going to have one of the highlights of the of the weekend for sure. And then there's going to be Kenta versus Naito which I'm going to really enjoy. And so yeah, check out New Japan if you're looking for something to watch this weekend. And and let me know what you're watching. Hit me up on Twitter, Squared Circle Pit, no E in circle, or Squared Circle Pit on Facebook. I'm Rob Injection on all social media. Hope to be back to you in a few weeks with another edition of Squared Circle Pit.